0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alders, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291
2: And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure
1: wish you would. Gives us a whole lot more exciting show than Brian and I sitting here jacking our jaw <laughs> to each other. <laughs> I think you'll like it better. And we are live and in person in the studio today. I we know. are. We're uh, missed a few right consecutive shows been well this time of year
2: in new Orleans, in the oh well quarter. It's, yeah
1: it's parade after parade after parade it's kind of hard to, for me to get in and out to get back to sure. baton rouge sure. to shows so,
2: and you got about another month of that right Pretty roughly much, yeah i think yeah. march
1: 5th will be mardi Gras, okay will be over for a while of course then, well then they will have parades well, and french quarter fest there you go and different and events jazz and... fest and yak 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 yak
2: yeah, there's always there's, something going on down there every weekend. Pretty much, I mean, during the
1: very, very hot days of summer, it slacks off quite a bit. You know, June, July, and August, it's just yeah, it's just so miserably hot. It is. <laughs> <laughs> That's when your air conditioner had better be working. Oh, no kidding! You'll know it in a hurry. I thought today we could work a little talk a little bit about fuel pumps because sure. we haven't talked about that very much. Right. This year I guess. Oh we can talk about see we got a phone call. We'll take that first. And Good morning. Lewis? Yes.
3: This is Burl.
1: Hey Burl, how you doing buddy?
3: I'm doing well. How are you? I am great, sir. This is just a quick maintenance question. How do you clean an oil stain off of concrete?
1: Burl, that is a very good question. And I can start with the real high-tech and then go down from there. As far as, like, in the shop, of course, we got painted floors now, so we don't have much problem oh, yeah. with that. Well, that they're they're, they're, they're on my carport, mops yeah. right up.
2: Right, they're not porous like concrete is. Right, but
1: they make some stuff that's actually a bacteria that will eat the oil. And you can mop that on. It will go down, eat the oil. You mop it back up, and it actually will live in a mop bucket for quite a while, and you can reuse it time and time again. Now, that's a high-tech kind of approach. Mm -hmm. For something like you got, there are several degreasers that will work pretty good. You just take a little bit of the degreaser, wet the spot, put the degreaser on it, let it sit for a little while, come back with like a broom and scrub over it. You may have to do it a few times if it's soaked in deep, but that does pretty good results. That's about as good as anything I know other than, like, maybe if you have a pressure washer, that'll get mm-hmm. a, a little faster. You know, you can mm-hmm. go with a pressure washer and hit it. But you're going to have to use some kind of a degreaser, something like Dawn dishwashing liquid. Something to break that grease down right, because before water, you try to blast it. Yeah, water and oil just don't mix. And, you know, it's just going to flow off crew, of it, yeah. like running off a of duck's back. But if you put the but detergent say, say in
3: could, it. Could I either go, go get some degreaser in the can? Yes. You know, it's just a spot, you know, like
1: two foot square. Yeah, I've used the the dishwashing liquid. That works good because that's made to break down grease. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: like the Joy. Uh,
1: yeah, Joy or, dawn, dawn or, any or of the Any of the degreasing yeah, right. you know, type cleaners. On. Yeah, Ivory or any of them will probably do it. But yeah, you just put some, you know, wet it first and then put something out and let it sit for a little bit and then get like a broom and just kind of scrub it. I understand. In yeah. And then wash it, put your thumb on the end of the nozzle, hit it with some pressure, and if you have to, come back and do it again. But that works pretty well.
3: I'm oh, good. That's what I need to know, and I do appreciate you. All right,
1: Burl. Thanks, man.
3: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: All one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automobile, we'd love to have you. Go ahead and give us a call. That's a good topic. You know, that's one of those things that I guess everybody kind of runs across that. I remember a time when every car leaked oil. That was sure. Just, that I mean, was the normal. Well, you know, they always used to joke and say, how you know when a Chevrolet's out, out of oil? oil? Yeah. When it quits leaking? Yeah, it quits leaking. wasn't me. It's out of That's right. That's about the only time they quit leaking because yep. all cars leaked. and. Of course the japs came along and showed us you could build a car that didn't at all and eventually
2: the, the standard got around
1: domestic cars had to tighten up their act to kind of compete because nobody liked these all these things
2: but you know we're still fighting that today
1: you still do see that a lot and you see that an awful lot on cars that do not get the oil changed often enough exactly because what happens the petroleum in the oil may not break down it may still have lubricating ability to lubricate the engine but all the stuff in the all that preserves the seals and the gaskets and keeps them pliable and the dispersants and all that stuff goes away way before the lubrication does. So sure, people who push those cars out eight, nine, ten thousand miles seem to have an awful lot of oil leaks and stuff. Mm-hmm. High, high out of proportion to people who do change their oil more frequently. Yeah, I know like on my little truck I've got I don't know X number of miles on it, but it all's been changed every three thousand miles since I had it.
2: Not the first and, leak in it. a yes,
1: 2002 mile. still in there. And we've never changed any of the seals of gas it. Exactly. They're all still good. So we got Noah on the line. Good morning, Noah. Hey, Lewis.
3: How y'all doing this morning? Doing, doing great. Doing sir, good. Y'all. Look, you wanted to talk about fuel pumps. and mm-hmm. I, I just thought I'd kick a little something in. will go ahead. Uh, I preached to my wife. I'll tell you what. I You know, on these newer vehicles with the, with the pump in the tank. Yes, sir. I start looking for a gas station when I get just past a half a tank. And I preached to my wife about not letting it get below a quarter of a tank because I know the, the fuel is the coolant on them things. That's oh, exactly is that right. right. Or is that kind of, does that help that pump? I know oh, absolutely. Like I, like I tell her, you, you know, it might make the difference in 80,000 miles out of your pump or 100,000. Know, 180 right? even, yeah. Yeah, something like that. But if, anyway, that that was it, Lewis. Yeah. I,
1: if you ever that, noticed, Noah, nice. on your gas gauge, that last little quarter is usually red. Yeah. And that's because you're not supposed to run it down below that. Not only does the fuel cool the pump, but it also adds head pressure. So the pump doesn't have right, to work nearly right. as that's hard. Exact, yep, that's
0: exactly right. You know, like any right. pump.
1: If you submerge it further down, you push it the less it has to work because it's got head pressure right. pushing into the pump. But, yeah, that's exactly right. You could probably double, if not triple, the life of the average fuel pump just by doing nothing but that alone. Another thing is buying clean fuel. And fuel today is a right. lot cleaner than it was even a few years back. But with good, clean fuel and not ever running it low, you'll notice when the tank starts to get low, that pump will start making a noise. You can actually hear the Mm -hmm. difference if you know what you're listening for. That's because it's straining. Right. Yeah. All
0: right, man.
3: Well, that's all I had. So, good talking to you. Y'all have a good show, and I'll be listening to you. All right, Noah. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Okay,
1: bye-bye. That's real good advice. It is. I'm glad Noah brought that up. People, a lot of times, don't like to stop and get fuel, so they'll tend to
2: run their tank
1: until it's almost
2: empty sure i've seen them with the lights on Mm -hmm. you know the the low low level light is on and you know they drop them off a service or something like that and you're doing damage
1: at that point oh exactly and
2: it's not immediate damage but it is still today right
1: but it's going to cut the life of that pump considerably we see a lot of times those those cars will come in at fairly low miles with a failure and a fuel pump today is not an inexpensive proposition. No, Number not one, at all. Number one, they're all, 100% of them are inside the fuel tank. Yep. So that means the fuel tank has to come out of the car, which is a two- to four-hour job, depending on the vehicle. So you got a significant amount of labor there, and then the pumps themselves are extremely expensive.
2: Well, and some you can access from under the back seat, just depending on the mo- make and model of the vehicle. Those are but there again, between anymore. There again, the pump is so expensive. Mm-hmm. It's It's actually, I think those are more expensive than the ones you have to drop the tank to to replace i'm not
1: sure i know some
2: of them i'd say the average fuel pump today is probably five to eight hundred dollars easy
1: several of them nine to a thousand dollars and even up to fifteen hundred dollars on some cars
2: and that's just the part that's not the labor to get to them and and change them out
1: right and you know when that pump fails all the debris out of that pump is going right into your fuel system Mm -hmm. and today probably into your fuel injectors
2: because the filter on the system nowadays is on the
1: inlet of the pump
2: right they're putting instead of the fuel filter being exposed on the side of the frame Mm -hmm. the fuel filter is now ahead of the pump so the fuel goes through the filter and then to the pump right instead of to the pump and then through the filter then to the injectors
1: which was a big improvement over nothing fuel pumps have gotten they last longer now because the the mixture going into the pump is being it's filtered cleaned. rather than running dirty fuel through the pump and then filtering it on the output side. Of course, the drawback is
2: you, you have to buy
1: a new fuel pump when the, pump, when the filter goes bad because they don't sell the filter separately. Exactly,
2: and you've got to go in the tank to get to it.
1: Drop the tank to even access it. Well, so,
2: before it was protecting the fuel injectors. Right. Now it's protecting the pump and the injectors. Correct.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's just the way cars have evolved. Just a much, much more expensive proposition. I can remember back like 80... Eighty-nine model uh, Chevy pickup truck, the old body style the Silverados. Uh-huh. You had a little pump module, right? And it was just a little fuel pump, and you take the carrier unit out. You could take the little pump module off. You put a new little sock on the bottom of it, put it back in, put a new fuel filter, and those cost yeah, forty to sixty bucks. Yeah, relatively uh, inexpensive. Uh huh. Next year after that, they came out with the fuel pump module where it all came as an assembly. Well, those went four to five hundred dollars. Sure. So I guess just technology. It's not just the fact they want to charge more money for the same thing. It's because the injection systems they use today, today and, right. and nowadays the fuel pump is not even running at because you got direct injection on most things today. But that fuel pressure is so so very critical, particularly on a non direct injected car, where it may run perfectly at fifty eight psi,
2: which is the specification the specification,
1: and it may not start at fifty two psi
2: we've we've seen it mm-hmm. seen it a lot so, so just, just checking fuel pressure doesn't complete the test you have to know what the specification is supposed to be after you run the test to compare it to that to make sure you still have a fuel issue because i've seen that test ran oh we've got fuel pressure mm-hmm. well you don't have enough fuel pressure
1: well we've had people come to shop and they'll say well my car won't start my truck won't start and uh, i don't know what it is I've, I, I've checked the fuel pump it's not that and i know it's got spark it's not that so i can't figure it out so Okay, so we check, and the fuel pump's bad. Mm -hmm. Well, I checked that. Okay, well, how'd you check it? Well, I took the little cap off, and I pushed it down and gas squirted out. Well, that ain't near good enough. No. Because 2 PSI is going to blow gas out that pump. Right. But if this car calls for 58 and is producing 52 or 49, it may not start at all. At very least, it's going to have zero power if it does start because it doesn't have adequate fuel pressure to fire the injectors. And that was real critical, like on those little poppet-type injections because you had to get that central port injection because you had to have enough pressure to blow those poppets off the seat. Exactly. And with direct injection, the pump is basically just feeding another pump. Words, it's a lift pump now. It's sort of like you have on a diesel vehicle. Right.
2: It uses that pump just
1: to get the fuel up to the
2: injector, the injector pump.
1: And injector pump is normally inside of the engine, driven by the camshaft mm-hmm. or one of the gears off the front of the motor. And that pump operates probably up to two thousand or more psi. Yeah, what I was thinking. It's a very very high high pressure pump, and the reason that they have to do that with old style injection, the injector was in the intake manifold, which was actually under a vacuum.
2: Kind of like carburetor. Kind of like carburetor used to run.
1: So all it had to do, it could open that injector, spray the fuel into the port, and the flow would take it into the cylinder. Well, it could hold that injector open. Up to 360 degrees of crank cycle, and the valve would just open and close and take it in when it needed. It was just kind of hanging around in the port until mm-hmm. the valve opened. But when you're figuring you're turning 3,000 RPM, that valve is opening every split second or so. So the injectors at high speed may be just constantly firing. Sure. Just a continuous stream of fuel coming out. And as the port opens, the intake valve opens, it sucks the fuel in, burns it, and does it again. So it could keep up pretty well. With direct injection, you are spraying fuel in against the engine compression. So you may have as much as 200 PSI of pressure working against the injector. So you've got to achieve at least 200 PSI to even get the fuel to spray into the cylinder. Otherwise, it's going to blow back into the the injector. And they're not open nearly as long because they're timed to the actual event. Mm -hmm. It's in the combustion chamber. It sprays the fuel at the exact event. That, it won't, that ne- the
2: computer wants it. When it's
1: necessary. And so it has to be under much, 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 much higher pressure because it has to put a lot more fuel into that cylinder a lot quicker because of the constraints it's working sure. under. And, of course, the advantage to direct injection is that they can time the fuel to the event. Whereas before, the intake port was full of fuel, the valve opened, it sucked the gas in, and then when the spark went off, it fired. Mm-hmm. Well, now they can time the fuel to the fire to the timing to the cam timing it's all adjustable that's why cars today little four-cylinder motors are producing 250 horsepower <laughs> right right it's just an evolution of the system the way they can make it so much finer tuned. you one time you could only adjust ignition time. sure then you could adjust ignition and cam time well now you can ignition timing spark and
2: it's all adjustable it's now all
1: pretty adjustable. much hey we're gonna take a quick little break be right back with more on the automotive hour
4: I
0: get Dove comfortable on the couch, and tell me, what has stressed you out? Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then, I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr.
4: Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car into Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even
0: catch small issues that could lead to big, expensive problems down the road. An AGCO general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's AGCO's number and the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive. AGCO, it's the place to go.
1: Hey, welcome back. If you just join us the automotive hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending a Saturday morning with us, and we would also appreciate a call. There you go. 291-6901. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and should you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get your questions answered live this morning, mm-hmm. you can always go to our website and have your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button. A little form is going to pop up. Fill it out with pertinent information and hit the send button. There you go. That's all you need to do. I'll get an answer back to
1: you within 24 hours, sometimes sooner. It just depends what I happen to be, what kind of state of mind I happen to be in. <laughs> <laughs> or where on this earth you're at Or where at time. on this earth I may happen to be. <laughs> and, of course, this is one of our live programs, right. which seems like we're not doing as many of them these days. Well, but, man, it's just the way, the way things are right now. Huh? <laughs> the way things are. A lot, awful lot going on down this area of the country. And we were talking a little bit about fuel pumps. They right. Mean, obviously, we will take call any topic you might have. You never restrict it to the topic. We might oh, not at all. And that's just a guideline of something we're talking about. But anything that might be bugging you or something you want to know something about, any kind of thing that you maybe... Now's the prime time to get it done. There you go. Get, get your live answer. Another thing, we were just talking with a friend of mine who happens to be in the studio today, mm-hmm. and he was talking about fuel injector cleaner.
2: And right. These things. The stuff you can buy over the counter. Mm-hmm.
1: And largely, that is... Totally unnecessary and under certain conditions can damage
2: the car. Oh most like most definitely because you know you're already running ten percent ethanol in your fuel mm-hmm. and that cleaner is nothing but ethanol. Yeah, it's just more ethanol. So you're actually raising the amount of ethanol that's going into the vehicle and some vehicles can cope with it, others can't. Right. You know, you, your flex fuel vehicle, it can cope with that twenty percent or thirty percent ethanol mixture. But Cars built before, I believe it's 2001. I'm not sure exactly when it started all I that. think it's 2001, if I'm not mistaken. Those have a re- very difficult time dealing with extra ethanol. Yeah, they
1: don't even like the 10%. Not though, really. To be honest. But And another thing is when you put that stuff in your car, you're going to lose mileage. You're not going to gain mileage because it becomes part of the fuel. And because ethanol has less energy in it than, than gasoline. gasoline, ethanol basically has about 33% less energy in it than gasoline has. So, if you put 10% ethanol, you lose 3.3% of your mileage. Mm-hmm. That's right? just math. And if you put more, you lose more. Right. It's like going to E85 fuel, which is 85% ethanol. You lose a sizable portion of your, your, your fuel mileage will fall, your power will fall. And most of the computerized cars with the flex fuel can allow for the power issues, but they really can't.
2: No, you can't change can't the change mileage issue. Yeah,
1: your mileage is going down. So... You need to do the math. With the mileage loss, you may actually come up cheaper running. Running the other, yeah. Yeah, the
2: 10%. And some people even running the pure gasoline if you can still get it. It's they say it's available. I've seen advertisement for it mm-hmm. in here in town. Mm-hmm. I haven't done the check on it. Right. You know, to make sure that that's what you're getting when you pay for it. But there are several stations here in the Baton Rouge area that offer
1: port to have it. What kind of bugs me a little bit is most of that stuff comes from small independent Suppliers, mm-hmm. and I'm just not sure what the cleanliness the of quality. that fuel and the quality yeah. of it. Maybe just fine. I don't know, but that kind of bugs me. It seems like we've had a number of cars coming in that tell me they've always run that, and they got a fair number of fuel system problems. And you tear it down, there's a lot of dirt and stuff in the tank, mm-hmm. uh, like as though because most of the stations you see with the little small stations probably aren't running huge volumes of fuel. But again, that's that's yeah. just kind of an observation on my part more than a
2: well, tested. It- you know your small engines like your boat motors your lawnmower your your weed eater with mm-hmm. the mixture the two-stroke mixture right you should not be running ethanol in those motors correct so if you can find regular fuel for those you're much much better off and there really needs to be some way to verify because regular fuel smells just like 10 right fuel so the smell difference there is yeah you don't know you can't you're, tell you're so you're not right they're saying exactly
1: and it's a fairly easy test we can do in the shop to tell you what the percentage of ethanol in the fuel is. And I guess if I had one of those small motors and I had to use that, I would probably try to rig up. Maybe you could get a funnel and hook a fuel filter onto it some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly how you do it. If you had something with like a tube coming down with a get a, a ferrule, I'm sure it could be fabricated. Yeah, some kind of a ferrule fitting, you know, uh, compression type fitting and hook a fuel filter in there where the, filter, the fuel you could pour it in the funnel. It would filter the fuel before it went into the engine. Mm-hmm. That would probably be a, a wise thing to, to sure. try to do. And, and they may even somebody may make a filter with a funnel in it. I don't know. I
2: hadn't looked for that kind of stuff. Well, I mean. You might go on there, the there's internet
1: a, type in filtered funnel. There's a,
2: there's a patent opportunity there. There you go. Hey, <laughs> if, if anybody's
1: out there listening, any of our Chinese comrades out there listening. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> 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 Let them come up with one there real quick. But, yeah, that's a big, big issue with fuel is cleanliness sure you get fuel it has a lot of different aspects to it it's not just gasoline it's a lot of things Mm -hmm. it's detergent it's all kinds of things that clean the fuel and you know you have octane which is one thing but going to a higher octane does not necessarily ensure that you're getting a cleaner fuel right or a better fuel it's not necessarily a better fuel it's just a higher octane they add iso-octane or some type of a chemical to the fuel and basically the only thing octane is in there for is it slows down the burn rate of the fuel because when fuel enters the cylinder and the piston comes up and starts to compress that fuel when the compression gets to a certain point the heat of the chamber can cause the fuel to spontaneously combust before the spark goes off now what's happening here is the piston is trying to push this sure mixture up it explodes, which is trying to push the piston back down. And so you get that characteristic knock, knock. called spark knock. That's the piston slamming back down when it's trying to go up. Mm-hmm. And very, very damaging to the engine. It'll burn holes in top of the oh, piston yeah, pretty quick because the combustion chamber temperature goes sky high and the nitrous oxide emissions go sky high. So it can end up taking out a catalytic converter and doing all kinds of other things as well as making that annoying sound you don't really see that as much on modern cars because they built a whole lot into the car.
2: To, 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 to fix that problem. Right. What they call a knock sensor that is now into the... It's made into the motor. Right. So it's a sensor that screws in. And it detects any type of pre-ignition, any type of knock. And what it, the computer will retard the timing right and try to take that knock out
1: yeah it'll retard the timing. it may even start to uh, increase the richness of the mixture try to cool it down and like i said on variable cam timing you can retard the cam timing it can do a number of things to lower the temperature of the combustion chamber back in days gone by when everything was mechanical they had egr mm-hmm. exhaust gas recirculation and a valve would open when it detected knocking and it would just pump exhaust gas into the intake and since the exhaust had already burned it can't burn again so it cooled the fuel air mixture down it worked really well but it was problematic because you're putting dirty exhaust
2: back into the back intake. into the engine and right. you get a
1: lot of carbon buildup and all that most of the more modern engines have gotten away from egr and they just do it through the computer now yep which is a much cleaner environment for the engine you know that's why you don't see the uh, stuff carboning and up and all as bad as it used to we're going back to our phone lines with jesse good morning jesse
3: good morning sir yes sir Uh, On that truck of yours, do you have the fuel filter along your frame well? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, uh, how often do you change yours?
1: I change mine about every 30,000 miles because it takes me a good while to get 30,000 miles. If you're doing a lot of highway driving and using a fairly clean fuel, you could probably go out to 50 with it. But, I mean, fuel filters are cheap and they're easy to change. So those are I, I do mine every thirty. They quit putting fuel filters on Chevy pickups, I think, in two thousand four. Yeah, mid, right. mid, I think it was. Mid year of four, They went to the filter in the in the tank. And it didn't take long. They all figured out, hey, this is cheaper to do than the other way. And now virtually everything is in the tank. There's very, very few, if any, vehicles I can think of that still has a replaceable filter on it.
3: Yeah, so that's one reason why I'm still driving that two thousand uh <laughs> yep. I have.
1: Yeah, I like that system because it was cheap. It was inexpensive. Now, I got to say, with all the problems with the filters in the tank and all, they do offer one advantage in that they're filtering the fuel before it gets to the pump. So, yeah. you do see fuel pumps lasting longer now than they did in the past. You know, before the filter was just there to protect the injectors. Now it's there to project, protect the injector and the pump because the pumps are so expensive, they've gone to that. Now, the drawback is you got to buy a new pump when the filter plugs up. Or you know you got to drop the tank and all that, so you're looking at a fifteen hundred dollar repair bill as opposed to maybe a five or six hundred dollar repair bill before. So it does last twice as long, but it costs three times as much. So I guess that's progress, huh?
3: Yeah, I've done pretty good on mine. I mine went out of about one hundred seventy thousand, mm-hmm. and I changed it out for about a hundred twenty eight dollars. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, if you can do it or, yourself, you can do that.
3: Right. But anyway, what I really wanted to ask you was I've noticed there's some aftermarket kit you can buy for these 2017-18 Silverados that you can do away with that ATF, uh, active fuel management rudder.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I would not do that. That Number one, that's illegal. And what the kids say is for off-road use only. But it is illegal to do that, and you're not going to pass inspection if you do it. And really the active fuel management, so long as you will change your oil in a responsible
2: way and yep. not
1: try to push it out 10,000 miles like Jim says you can, you're not right. going to have trouble
2: with it. It's a great system. I've they've, seen it. They've got it perfected from when, you know, they, they tried to start it back in the eighties. They were. Yeah. Well, I was all mechanical. Right. That never knew Now everything right. is electronic. It works very well. It does what it's supposed to do unless you don't, right. you know, you run the extended oil changes out. And we've seen a lot of trouble oh, yeah. we, with the extended oil changes in that system. We
1: fleets of GM trucks, and some of them have 250,000 miles. But, again, they're getting all changes with synthetic oil at the right time and all right. that. But I've seen 250,000 miles, no problems, whatever. It's a fairly simple system. It's not that sophisticated, not that much to go wrong. But what happens, the lifters, there's four lifters, which are spring-loaded, and have four solenoids in the intake. When those solenoids open, they Bleed the lifters off so they collapse, and so those valves no longer open. So the piston's still going up and down, but it's not opening the valves, and it cuts the injectors to those cylinders. So it does give you somewhat better fuel mileage. But what happens is that those lifters are in these plastic trays that keep them from turning. And That's right. Because if you, it's if a roller in, lifter. If you run them in dirty oil, that dirt gets in there, grinds up that plastic tray. They'll flip around backwards on you and go to missing. Or you know, if, know, you're like it. if you're lucky, if, if you're, you're enough, lucky
2: enough, they'll flip around one time. If they flip and they get hung sideways now that roller is grinding the cam right, you eat the
1: camshaft up now the job just got it's already a big job cause right you gotta pull the heads to get the lifters out but if it flips around so eats the cam up now it's a whole bigger job because the whole front of the motor's got to come down
3: yeah well like you i use a two thousand mile oil change on mine oil and filter
1: yeah, and plus I run uh ethanol free gas. There you go. There, yeah. Well, you know, all yeah. is cheap, man. All, yeah, all is cheap. Oh, I know. And it's just, I, I do not see the wisdom. I've got a I buddy of mine has a Corvette, and he pushes it out twenty thousand miles man. on all changes. Cool. Oh, and and he argued, I said, that doesn't make sense. Even if it was so, which it isn't, you know. It just he must hate his car. Yeah, then. who would even want to do that? Right. Do you know what an engine costs in this thing? And uh he's he's sold on it, but. I don't know. I, I just don't see a purpose there, you know, not cost-effective to me.
3: Yes, sir, I agree with you. Uh, if all free right now, I'm not paying but 219 a gallon yeah. for it.
1: Yeah, well, fuel's that, gotten that, pretty pretty reasonable.
3: And I'm like the other guy before that uh, about half a tank of gas,
1: yep. I start hunting me a pump. There yep. you go. Well, that's why you still drive a 2,000-mile truck, and it's perfectly dependable.
0: <laughs> well, the only <laughs> problem you know how to take
1: <laughs> Yes, yeah, the only problem about that, though,
3: uh, when I go get my haircut, there's a used car lot right next to it. Uh-huh. And that guy, keep on, man, when you going to let me have that truck? So, well, he I say, well, when they come out with something better. Yeah, he can have the right amount of money. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't sell it even for $10,000, hey, whatever. Uh,
1: okay, I
3: just, appreciate your information. Yes, Thank sir.
1: you. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more in the Automotive Hour.
4: So, lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed.
0: Ugh, my sheep
4: keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep, You are not the smartest animals. Not you, Denise. You're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That
2: and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end.
4: I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right and it saves money in the long run. With the money I save, I could buy some shock collars to keep those little half wits in one place. Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you.
0: Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Don't mind it, because the man with the whiskers has a lot. Hey, welcome back. You just join us.
1: This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, to us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you give us a call? 291 There you go. There you go. <laughs> 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 and of course, it is a live in person show today, so this is a perfect opportunity to call in. Who knows, next week I might not be here. I might that's be another recording show. <laughs> there, is, there
2: is no telling knowing you.
1: Uh, that's right.
2: <laughs> just uh, in a whim, you may leave town.
1: That's it. Hey, no doubt, boy. You, you get to a certain age and you realize Hey, you know, I can probably get more money, but I can't get any more time. There you go. So I better start drawing. <laughs> I got more summers behind me than I got in front of me, all right? Uh-huh, <laughs> I hear you. So it's time to start drawing just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, we were talking about fuel pumps, fuel systems, and right. all that kind of stuff, and just chit chatting and that sort of thing. Of we'll take a call on any topic you might that have. That we will. Talking with Steve, uh, my guest here in the studio, just between the breaks, and he had mentioned about the fuel injection cleaner and all. And you will notice a lot. Of folks, like when you go into, and I don't want to pick on any certain type of shop, but you go in certain shops, and they're going to do a inspection of car. Oh, you need an injection cleaning, and you a transmission need transmission flush, transmission or... flush, and you need a uh, upper intake cleaning right. or intake service. All of that is just hogwash. Mm-hmm. If you hear the word flush, run. Yeah, just add the word wallet. There you go, wallet, wallet flush, because <laughs> that's what you're getting. And, unfortunately, the way a lot of shops operate is they pay their employees on a commission Uh basis, a flat rate. For instance, the book may give a certain amount of time to do a certain job. Well, they get paid that amount times a certain amount of money they make per hour. The problem with that is if the book says it takes two hours to do it and they can hurry up and rush through that job an hour and a half, they still get paid for two hours. Sure but on the flip side if, if that they, job
2: pays two hours and, and it takes they, them
1: four if they take their time and really do everything right it takes four and they still get paid two hours exactly so it's imp- pretty implicit what they're trying to accomplish here and they tend to rush through things and where i was going with all this for instance dealerships most car companies pay a very abbreviated short flat rate mm-hmm. up maybe half of what the going rate is to do a certain job these guys a lot of times are not making a lot of money so what happens is that when a customer comes in, they're going to start recommending all these flushes and all that kind of stuff. It's just a way for the tech to make money. So, in effect, what you're doing by buying this junk, not only are you da- possibly damaging your car, but you are subsidizing the warranty process. Sure. You're allowing the guy to make more money for doing basically nothing because he hooks some kind of little machine to it, and he goes start working on somebody else's car. Mm-hmm. Well, he's gaining flat rate over there. This little machine is doing some work. And he charges you 200 bucks to do it for something that maybe he's got five minutes five minute, and yeah, in ten minutes in and most of those are i guess you figure well if i'm gonna steal and sell somebody something they don't need i might as well get it big so i've seen people hit, charge 400 bucks for sure. that jump and i mean every car company that i know of gm's got a really good statement about flushing any of their systems on their cars
2: just don't do it mm-hmm.
1: if you look in the owner's manual it's never recommended the dealership may present it to you like it's maintenance it's not it's not yeah do not yep. buy that go get a second opinion from somebody you trust but, yeah, the word flush is on there. Pretty much just add wallet flush and run. Exactly. <laughs> We're going back out far out with Jack. Good morning, Jack. How you doing? How you
5: doing morning. great, sir. Good morning. Uh, I have a question about a few injectors. Okay. Injectors on, on a uh, Chevrolet V8 5.3. 5.3? If I have a uh, plug one, would it be better to try to clean it or replace it?
4: Let me ask
1: you first, Jack. How do you know it's plugged?
5: Well, it has an uh, alarm that shows it that... Uh, number eight cylinder is not firing properly okay, okay.
2: but that doesn't mean the injectors it just means the cylinder's not firing properly that's correct there's several yeah. things that can cause that same code and it not be a fuel injector. i mean it
1: could be a bad spark plug it could be a bad call pack it could, it could be, a be, wire, be a wire a wire disconnect disconnected low, yeah. but low but compression I've, I've on moved, the engine i've moved
5: the uh, coil pack and good the, uh, okay the, it didn't follow the coil okay good did you
2: move the wire the, the uh, little no, short wire move the wire okay move the wire i've, and seen, the plug. Little, I've
1: seen those little wires go bad yeah. and i've seen a plug go bad yeah even though it looks perfectly good it's maybe cracked internally and the spark is jumping inside the shell and it won't fire the cylinder so okay i would certainly i'll tell you those are the I, easiest
2: things to do yeah
1: a bad injector on a chevrolet is extremely rare even a bad call even a bad call is fairly rare but the five three we just don't hardly ever, nope. I'm not going to say never, but we hardly ever change injectors on them. What I would do first, like Brian said, swap the wire, swap the, the plug. If that makes no difference at all. Move them to
2: two different cylinders. Right, move them to two different cylinders. Like put one on six and one on. Uh, put the wire on six and, and, the, and the plug on eight or, you know, or vice versa. As long as they're not on the same cylinder. So that way, if the miss moves. If it does move, then you, you know, know the, what you, 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 know know what you moved. Mm-hmm. So okay. try try that
1: first. And if that does not do it, I mean, you could take the injectors and just swap them cylinder to cylinder. They are all the same, so you can move that and see if it moves. But I just haven't seen a whole lot of problems with that, with injectors. Now, do you know what a Noid Light is? A what now? A Noid Light. It's just a little light. They're very inexpensive. You get it at a parts store. You can plug that into that injector and make sure you're getting a pulse to the injector.
2: You plug it into the harness. You yeah, unplug you, the harness from the injector, the harness, plug the light in, and the light flashes every time it gets a pulse from right. the computer. And, and those are like three four bucks a piece, and maybe what, 10 bucks. What that does is that verifies the signal from the computer to the injector.
1: Right, because the computer can lose a, a lose a driver, driver, or you can even get a bad spot in the crank sensor or something right. and cause the injector not to fire for that reason. So you want to verify all that stuff. Another thing you want to do is, is check compression on the engine. Make sure you don't have low compression in that cylinder. Sure. Do you know if you have active fuel management on that engine?
5: It does have that, yes. It's a 5.3-2,000. Okay, began. because
1: the active fuel manager is, is cylinder number eight? Yes, sir. I forget the numbers of the cylinder. It's, it's four cylinders that it can shut down. And you can get, I, you, I can't remember you can off top of my head. You can get a bad lifter, or you can get a bad lifter tray can cause that to shut down. So there's a number of things. I wouldn't just go change the injector without... I mean, I'd swap it cylinder to cylinder because that's pretty easy. You pull a fuel rail, swap it over. If it misses, still there, check compression. compression's low, I'd be looking at those lifters okay, and stuff, see if you possibly got a bad lifter in it.
5: Okay, I appreciate that. I have one other question. You bet. Got go ahead. Time. Sure. The new cars come with zero to 16 weight. Yes, sir. the Toyota. Uh, mm-hmm. and, Toyota's, and do. I, you, Toyota's. And I believe Honda's do they, I they very it. well. And when you go in, I don't like running them 10,000 miles. No, for an that's ridiculous. Team. Where do you go to get oil chains? Do they have 10 to uh,
2: 0 to 16? Because I don't yeah, we see keep it on it. the shelves anywhere. Yeah, we
1: keep it in stock. I buy you mine. may
2: have to go to the dealer to get yeah, it Yeah, I right buy now. mine
1: from Toyota. I, I got a Toyota, and I'm sure Honda sells it too. They're fairly reasonable. I buy it by the case because my wife has a little uh, 18 Camry that uses it. and So I buy it straight from Toyota and, and use it. But well, it's a very very good product. It's not any more expensive than any other oil, but that's what is required in that engine. It has very, very tight tolerances right. on it, and it's the not thicker oil is not going to get up there fast enough. It's also interfere with your cam timing because all that's run on that. So you start putting wrong oil in there, you may end up with cam timing issues. You may end up with a bad catalytic converter and all kinds of other problems.
5: How about the 0 to 20?
2: No. Do not put it in there. No. It no. doesn't did, call for it. It calls for the 0 16.
1: Yes, sir okay i sure and, do appreciate yeah they're actually that. working on a zero 14 now. right
5: <laughs> <laughs> pretty soon it'd be one of three and one oil. yeah that's right <laughs> pretty much sewing machine oil yep
1: okay thank you all right, for Jack, all right. thanks call man all right. bye-bye all right we're gonna take our last quick
4: little break we'll be right back with more on the automotive hour Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodvich. Relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate and if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive, check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo!
0: That little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
1: Hey, welcome back. If you just joining us, the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis and president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between tools' two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Give us a call. And, you know, we were talking to Jack just a second ago, and Jack, uh, one of my texts, called from the to, right. from the shop. He said the cylinders that are shut down by the active fuel manager are one, seven, four, and six. So, if you got a missile on number eight, it would not be that injector. I mean, it's you, not going to be that. It would fuel not be the active fuel management problem. So that's kind of a, a relief there. Also, one other thing that kind of occurred to me: number seven and number eight are the two last cylinders on the on the, the back fuel of rail. the engine. If you get any moisture in your fuel, sometimes it'll run down that fuel rail, and I have seen a blob of moisture on top of one of those injectors. It's got a little fine screen. Plug that screen up and cause that right. problem, too. So, again, swap the parts
2: that we told you first. And if, see, if the, see if the mist moves.
1: Right, and if it does have to be the injector, make sure it's not like a drop of water sitting on top of that screen because that you can just empty it out, clean it good with some cleaner, put it back in there, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Injectors just hardly ever give trouble on Chevrolet
2: engines. Yeah, entrance. i, I i can't remember the last one we had to had trouble with mm-hmm. it's mostly the, the active fuel management and the plug wires and even the active fuel management
1: only if, the oil if it hadn't been taken care changed of changed properly right
2: you know i mean if the maintenance had been extended on it you know that if then, you
1: follow GM's guidelines, they'll tell you, you can go 10,000 miles. Yeah. If Yes, if you want to throw the car away at 100,000 miles.
2: Man, I've seen them not that even make work. 100. Well, you know, absolutely. We, we've got a 14 in the shop right now and needs an engine. Yeah,
1: and Ford's even worse. Yeah. Man, we see Fords with that little 5-liter. We see those with 80,000, 90,000 miles on them knocking yep. and losing compression all the time. And, again, you got to remember, the guys giving you these extremely long all-change intervals are in the business of selling new cars. Well, of course. I <laughs> mean, any, any
2: car you keep over 100,000 miles yeah. is a car that they didn't get to sell you.
1: Well, and, you know, when an engineer has to come up with a specification, and I've said this a million times, but he can meet any specification you want. you just got to give him the conditions under which it's operated. For mm-hmm. instance, if I say, okay, I'm building a bridge, what size I-beam do I need up here? Well what's, well, what's the load on the bridge? Right. Well, it's only going to have one car go over it twice a day. The wind never blows very hard, and they say, okay, we can use a 12 inch I beam. But if I say, okay, well, occasionally this is on I 12, and, you know, the traffic's going to back up, and you're going to have 10, 18 wheelers sitting on here, sometimes the wind blows 150 miles an hour, and they say, okay, well, you need a 36 inch I beam. Sure. So the requirement is based on the specification. Same thing with the vehicle. You know, your requirement is going to change. If they say, okay, I need, how long can we push these all chains? How long has the car got to last? 100,000 miles okay go go 10,000 miles
2: mm-hmm.
1: now if i say okay it's gonna last 200,000 miles okay well, go 3, it, right. miles. i got to change that specification to meet the other demand and again if i'm building a car that's only got to last 100,000 miles then i'm gonna throw it away and it's gonna disappear and nobody's ever got to worry about it again well yeah I'm sure. out. I, in fact you don't have to do most maintenance most cars today will almost make 100,000 miles
2: with, with very little maintenance except for the, the oil changes that need yeah, to be done
1: and Really, the the only problem with that is if you change your mind later on, that's an
2: irreversible decision. And you know that that is usually what happens. You know, you buy a brand new car, you figure, hey, I'm gonna keep it for a hundred thousand miles, trade it. and and get rid of it. Well, eighty five, ninety thousand rolls around, and you're in a situation where you have to keep this vehicle now. Mm-hmm. Now you're paying for your decision you made when you bought it.
1: Yep. And that is an irreversible decision,
2: right? You know, it, it's like a guy told me long.
1: He said some some mistakes you don't ever get through paying for. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't go away sorry, sorry don't feed the bulldog uh-huh. you know? <laughs>
2: exactly it's not
1: gonna be able to say well i'm sorry i'm gonna go ahead and start changing it more often now the damage is done at that point right you know it i like to compare it to a man who smokes for 60 70 years and then all of a sudden he's got lung cancer he's got heart disease he's got all these things well i'm gonna get myself back in shape i'm gonna quit smoking too little too late yeah you might as well go ahead and smoke the rest of your life now. <laughs> as long as it's going to be you know right but it's the same thing with maintenance on your car if you do these things just know that this is going to give you certain results and you know elaine and i talk about that all the time you'll see people in different circumstances in life mm-hmm. you know some people are very wealthy some people are not so wealthy And I'm not going to say this happens every time because certainly there are variables that you can't account for, you know, disease and what have you. But basically, if you look at a lot of people who are not doing as well, they make bad decisions and they seem to make the same decision over and over Over and over. The people who do extremely well generally make better decisions. right? And again, I know there's somebody that doesn't apply to. I'm not trying (laughs) to offend anybody. You got to put all the political correctness stuff in there. But. For a general rule, it's the same thing. You make bad decisions, there are going to be ramifications. Bad, resu-
2: bad results.
1: Right. And you know we talk about this all the time in that nobody rides for free. Right. There's a cost associated with driving your car. And when you get that car paid for, that cost does not go away.
2: No, it changes, but it, it doesn't changes. go away.
1: Yeah, it changes. It shifts from paying notes to repairing the car. Right. Because it's a mechanical device. It's got... Anywhere between 30,000 and 300,000 parts, depending on how you count parts. Because, I mean, is a radio a part or is, or is it there a like bunch of little parts? 400 parts right. in there? Because if any one of those parts go down, the whole part quits. Sure. So you got a lot, lot, lot of stuff going on. And as you start to get further out, stuff breaks. Now, you're going to either pay to repair the stuff or you're going to pay the notes on a new car because everything's new when you buy a new one and it's going to last a certain amount of time. The point is, in the interim between when you buy the car and when you get rid of the car, the better care you take of it, the longer that point of having to replace it is going to be. And I like pushing cars out 15, 20 years. Oh, easy. I like taking vacations. You know, I like going on cruises. I like going to Europe. I like doing all... That's what I enjoy a lot more than driving a new car. So if I save all that money I would have been throwing away on these cars, then I can afford to do that. Exactly. Because I don't have an unlimited amount of money. But Just got to spend it where it's pertinent. Well, spend it where it's pertinent to me because, right. you know, I've got a customer and he trades cars every two years. And I asked him one time, I said, why do you do that? He says, well, he says, you know, at my age, I've got enough money and I like new cars. I okay. Said, Perfect answer. Right. You do not have to explain anything to me. If you know what it costs, you don't care. I mean, the guy is in his 80s and he's done very well in life. So he's, he says, I'm not going to spend the money i got now before I die. He's I like a new car, so I trade. Hey, fine. Yeah, God bless you, man. You. I wish I could do that, but you know I'm not in a situation to do that. I like doing other things with my money, mm-hmm. and you know cars are one of those things that you're going to lose about fifty percent of the value in the first three years. Right. So when you get ready to buy another car, that's all going to be in there. You're not riding for free. The depreciation is eating it up, and you a big part of your note that you're paying is because of that. Because if you guy came to me one time, he had a suburban and he had a hundred thousand miles on it. And he says, Lewis, I'd like to get another 100,000 miles. And he says, what's it going to cost to do that? I said, well, it depends a lot on how well you've taken care of it in the first 100,000 miles. He says, well, I've taken pretty good care of it. I said, okay, well, you're going to probably spend six, 7000 bucks to get another 100,000. Wow, that's a lot. I said, okay, well, let me ask you this. How much did you pay for it new? Yeah. $60,000. So, well, what's it worth right now?
2: 20? 20. 25?
1: 20. Yeah. I said, okay, well, it cost you $40,000 to go the first 100,000 miles. It cost you seven dollars to go another 100,000 miles. Which one do you really do? Right. He <laughs> so, well, I never thought about that Yeah, way. if you lay it out that way, yeah. it, it makes sense. Yeah, but, but think about it. You know, the, the, nothing more expensive than buying another car. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you're never going to spend enough on repairs. I know people say, oh, my God, I spent a fortune on repairs. I spent $7,000. Over yeah, 100,000 miles, think about, I mean, when you bought the new car, right off the bat, you paid 10% sales tax on it. Ten and a half, you happen to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's say you bought a $60,000 car, you pay $6,000 sales tax. There you go. Now, what'd just, you get? What'd you get for that? <laughs> <laughs> a swift kick in the butt when you walked out the door. That's it. But yeah, a car is one of those things. And you know, when I used to teach a course in this, in right. economics and what I would always tell the students, the first thing, look, if you want a new car, that's going to make you happy. By and you got the money to buy, God bless you, buy a new car. Sure. You don't have to explain it to me. Just forget everything I'm saying. What I'm telling you is how to end up maybe 50 years old. Close to retirement, ready to retire because you got money in the bank, your house is paid for, all your things are paid for. I'll tell you how you can get to there because if you keep buying a car for three years, you're not going to get there. there. Not (laughs) not unless you're one of those lucky few who invented some kind of computer chip or something. You know, and you're making 400 grand a year, you might. But you know, the average person when they keep investing in a new car over and over and over again, a good part of their disposable income is going out now. That's money they don't have to invest in other things. And, you know, that's what we talk about every single week on this show. The reason to do maintenance, there's only one reason to ever do maintenance on a car. And that's because it costs less than the repair. Costs less than not doing it. You know, I'm, I'm one of these people. I am looking for the overall lowest cost, not mm-hmm. the lowest price. You know, recently I bought a new washing machine. Well, I looked at washers. I didn't check what's the cheapest one out here. Right. I checked the reviews on them. I looked at the specifications, how they're built, how the motor's built, how they're constructed, how much voltage they use all this kind of thing. I even talked to a guy who works on them, mm-hmm. and he says, this one by far. So I ended up paying probably double what another machine might have cost. But you know what? If I pay $500 for a machine and it lasts two years, well, it costs me 250 bucks a year sure. to use that machine. If I paid $1,000 for a machine and it lasts me 10 years, it's only 100 bucks a year. Exactly. If it lasts 20 years, it's only 50 bucks a year. So. You know, the amount it costs depends on how long it's going to last, what else I'm going to have to spend to keep it going in the meantime. Same thing on an automobile. Other damage it does, inconvenience when it breaks down, same thing on my car. You know, if I do a cheap repair or neglect some maintenance, it's not just going to be that maintenance. it's right. going be to be the
2: breakdown and when you're without it. and What broke, Yeah. if
1: it leaves you on the side of the road, the wrecker bill. You know, it's like we were talking to a gentleman earlier about the fuel filter. Well, let's that fuel filter pump you'll plug up and it burns up the fuel pump okay well now we just took a twenty dollar fuel filter and turned it into a, a fifteen hundred dollar fuel pump yeah fuel pump or let's say trash goes through it it starts bypassing you plug the injectors up well again on and on and on it goes you, know, you don't change the oil in your car the valve cover gasket start leaking the oil pan gasket starts leaking the what rear main seal starts leaking pretty soon it runs into the starter knocks the starter out well now you got to stop the car well you go to get a starter that's thousand bucks but the guy says well the reason went bad because valve cover was leaking into it we got to change valve covers well how much is that lost well, another 800 bucks yeah well you never saved eight, 1800 bucks on all changes
2: exactly in your so, entire
1: life so the point is the reason to do more frequent all changes same as doing any kind of maintenance is it's less expensive than not
2: doing it exactly you
1: know, that's what this whole show is about is <laughs> just yeah. sa- saving money but People are always trained from a time we're a little child to look at the price.
2: Yeah, cheapest price.
1: Yeah, the price is one part of the equation. But the cost is not only the price, but it's the price, plus all the stuff it makes to make it work, plus all the problems you're going to encounter with it, divided by how long it lasts mm-hmm. you know how long you how long how much those shoes cost don't know i, I don't know i ain't through wearing them. <laughs> you know if, if they don't last a year they cost me 100 bucks a year if they last me three years they only cost me 33 dollars a year there you go you know if they rub a blister on my foot and I gotta throw them away they cost me 100 bucks for nothing <laughs> 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 plus i got a blister on my foot <laughs> so yeah that's just kind of the it's just a smarter way of looking at things sure. and this is not anything i invented i mean if you go to industry which we have a lot of industry in right. the baton rouge area we do go to these guys like exxon mobile or dow chemical they have purchasing agents mm-hmm. these are guys that buy stuff professionally and that's their job to look at the overall cost they look at two compressors this one costs a million dollars this costs a million five but the installation time on this one is 50 percent less the energy cost over time is 30 percent less and plus it's going to last twice as long well it's a it's a deal at one five, Oh yeah whereas this one is a ripoff at one right same thing with auto repair you know if you start checking price on auto repair let's say you compare the price on a water pump and you go to two different shops one guy tells you two hundred dollars the other guy tells you four hundred dollars well, which one's a good deal well without knowing what goes into it one guy's putting know. a rebuilt pump on one guy's putting a brand new oem pump on one guy's changing the thermostat the other guy's not one guy's changing dump- all the cooling out getting the engine completely clean one of them's so just
2: dumping half a gallon and, and yeah, city just water top, in it
1: topping it off with uh improper mixed city water and right chlorine and everything else and you know the average time the guy who did the job properly for 400 dollars, that is going to last as long as the first one did at least maybe longer may maybe. last 200,000 miles the other guy it lasts 30,000 miles you're redoing the job again which one's cheaper exactly you know so it's it's very hard and it becomes difficult unless you know a lot about it right how to buy this stuff so that's why we always say you got to look at the overall lowest cost or have a service advisor who can, who can help t- you with help that. You that. that. Somebody yeah. trained in that type of thinking. I see the clock is starting to wind down here. Still got a few more minutes. Uh, got about a minute. About <laughs> a minute. <laughs> so let's start getting on out of here. Tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd
2: like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends and go to your favorite yes. prod service and mess around on there and see if you can't find the the written review part Mm -hmm.
1: and fill it out for us there you go we appreciate when you fill out those written reviews number one lets us know we're doing a good job but also it moves us up higher to the top of the ranking so when people type in a generic term like auto repair the ones with the most reviews come up first so more people listen there you go more people listen the the longer we do the show that's right the longer longer we can do it give us a swift boot if nobody's listening there you go (laughs) (laughs) hey preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend